And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. It is good to be back. Um, I missed you guys. Did you miss me? It's okay. You can say no. I won't take offense. It's all good. So, um, hey, welcome to uh, episode 56. 55 was like two weeks and change ago. I've been lazy. Not really. I've just been doing other things. And as I've said before, um, I enjoy doing this, but it doesn't pay the bills. So <laughs> if, if something's got to give, this is going to give. But we've got some good stuff lined up today. I'll give you a little sneak preview here. Um, if you've seen any social media posts that I've shared about this, then you know we've got two topics to cover today. The first one, well, let's talk about the second one first because I'll, I'll, I want to bury the lead momentarily here. Um, the second feature is a very quick, brief commentary on a little online controversy. I saw somebody just stirring the pot, looking to generate a little controversy and um, some feedback on that. Totally missing the mark. I wanted to chime in and give you guys a little bit of my perspective on what I think about that. Um, leading off, however, the first segment is an interview that I conducted with two representatives from Ravish Sands. So if you are a first-time competitor or a competitor in waiting, will be in the future, um, and you're, you're a woman, you're going to need a suit. And so uh, the two people that I speak with in this interview give you a really good um, breakdown on the kind of things to think about, the kind of traps that you could fall into, how you can save a few bucks here and there, where you can cut corners, where you really shouldn't, other things to consider. Um, a really good conversation with Drea and Brittany from Ravish Sands. So we kind of tag team on that, and we'll have that coming up shortly here. So um Definitely, it, it took a little bit of time to get that scheduled, but it was worth it, and I think you guys um, will get a lot out of it as well. Recapping a few things, um, hitting some highlights here. As I mentioned last time around, thedropset.com is live. So for anything podcast-related, go there. That's your starting point. There you can find episode archives, ways to contact me, um, the call-in number, which is 865-518-2974. Call in with your questions, and I will provide the answers. Now, um, spoiler alert, the phone number still has not rang once. I'm sitting here like a dumbass just waiting for it to ring. So somebody call. I mean, don't worry. You don't have to talk to me. I'm not going to answer. It's an answering service. That's all it is. It's it's a mailbox. Call. Leave your question. We'll play it here. I'll answer it. And hey, if you just want to shoot the shit a little bit, that's cool. I'm down with that too. So <laughs> so call. I'm waiting for it. You know, I, I set it up and uh, every, every week that goes by and no one calls it, I feel a little dumber and a little dumber. Um, but eventually it's going to be ringing off the hook. So get your stuff in now while you can. Eventually there's going to be like a thousand messages per week and I'm just going to pick like two or three at random and... Uh, Oh, my wife says she'll call me. All right, cool. <laughs> so there we go. Maybe we'll have some content for that next week. <laughs> the peanut gallery weighing in from upstairs as I record here. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we got uh, a couple new uh, new reviews and comments still um, on Stitcher. Nobody has reviewed or commented on the podcast on Stitcher. Be the first one, please. Um uh, iTunes, though, we got a couple of good reviews here. Thank you, DiceKiller92. Um, getting ready for my first contest. Great info as a beginner. Good con good podcast 
to pass the time with. Absolutely. Because one thing, you know, I knew that a podcast for bodybuilding would go over well just because my audience is doing a lot of cardio. They got a lot of time to fill where they're just kind of sitting idly and they need something to listen to. So there you go. Captive audience right there. Um, Jordan underscore 5.56 on iTunes also as a natural male bodybuilder. The content is very informative. We'll be competing in the future. So Thank you both. I appreciate that. Great feedback there. Um, what else happened? Um, you know what? One thing changed on iTunes. If you go to iTunes, if you listen to the show on iTunes, maybe you were a little late to the party. Um, you missed some of the first episodes. You're like, eh, I don't want to go back on the website and find them there just because it's not quite as convenient. Um, a, uh, a listener um, through Instagram, thank you, Aaron Covey. I appreciate it. She said, hey, you know what? You're only getting like 30 episodes on iTunes. And so I looked and I found a setting and I changed it. And literally within like 15 minutes, they were starting to propagate through there. So now if you go on iTunes, the whole kit and caboodle is up there. Every episode is there. So if you came to the party kind of late and didn't go back, I'm everything's there now going all the way back to episode one. You can listen to that and uh, just see, you know, granted, I'm not a slick professional host at this point, but I was way worse back then. So you can go all the way back and uh, and listen to my uh, my my early demo tapes. It's it's not pretty. Um, we had some shows this past weekend. I had three clients competing. You know, I've seen these coaches who, you know. I see them on social media and they're standing there with like 10 or 12 people that all competed at the same show. I'm like, man, it must be nice to be a local coach because then you're there with everybody and they're all in the same building. Me, if I've got three people competing on show day, I'm on my phone literally all day. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's tricky, but if you're going to do it and do it right, that's how you got to do it. So, um, everybody was in the Carolinas though. So Max and Chris um, competed in the Atlantic Coast Classic in Wilmington. Um, Max, been, been, been with Max for years. We've done this show a few times now. He lives in Wilmington, so it's local. It's great. You know, he sends me his progress pics the morning of in his kitchen, which is nice. So he doesn't have to pack food or go anywhere. He just drives 20 minutes across town to get to the hotel, do the thing, then get out. Um, so... We've done the show a few times. We started doing it at Men's Physique, and this was, I think, the second year we tried our hand at Classic Physique. Um, when when I started working with Max, um, it's been about four years now or so, um, we knew immediately, like, legs have got to come up, and he's been hammering and hammering, and they're finally starting to come into balance with his upper body, which is just fantastic. Um so this was the year, though, where everything really kind of came together. We came in really sharp, really happy with how we nailed the last couple weeks and the last couple days specifically, um, carved up pretty hard. Um, we're really uh, pretty aggressive with sodium. We were good with water, and then we got in a little bit too much after prejudging, so didn't sustain quite the level of hardness that we wanted to going into finals, but still was great, and he ended up taking second out of 10 and it was a really stacked class like if you look at the comparison shots and that um there there wasn't there wasn't a dud up there um in his in his class i think it was just an a and a b um a, a tall and a short class for classic physique um but he killed it took second got his national qualification so we're going to be working towards a national show early 2019 for him and i think we'll make a good impression there um chris did well also he did men's physique and um he did the military and the 
open, I believe, taking a second and a fourth in those. And I think there was a little bit of uh, questionable stuff going on. I, I heard rumors of some finagling at the judges' table with coaches intervening and jockeying for positions for their clients that were up on stage. I don't like that. I don't like that. Just people, if you're there at the shows, first of all, anybody, if, if you if you find stuff like that, call people out on it. And be very loud and vocal about it because that is the stuff that destroys this sport completely. It is terrible. It ruins what little credibility bodybuilding has. And uh, you know, judging is already a travesty, not just with the way it's conducted, but just with the, 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 the lack of accountability in it all. I've talked about this before. I'm not going to go down that road again. Um, and I'm not sitting here crying foul like, oh, my client should have done better. I'm not going to be that guy. But... If there are people that are lobbying the judges for better positions and and getting what they want, that, that's not good. That's not good. And I'm I'm basing this on on where the callouts ended and where the um, I mean, first of all, I'm I'm it's like second third hand rumor of what was going on, but also when callouts finish when, when pre judging finished and the callouts were done, I'm thinking. First or second, awesome, and he ends up taking fourth. Now I know that there isn't always a direct correlation between where you finish during prejudging and your call out, and where your placing is at finals. But based on the movements, you can kind of infer a few things. Typically, not always. Um, either way, we we're both really happy with how Chris came in. So it was uh, it, it was a it was a good show and a good improvement over his first one a few weeks ago. We're looking at potentially a third one down the road. It's kind of on the table for right now. We haven't totally committed to it yet. And then also down in South Carolina, doing the Carolina Supernatural was Chandra, who took second in her bikini class very first show. Um, and we got a lot of um, good photo feedback on that, so we know what needs to be worked on. She's taking a little bit of a break, may compete again down the road in a little bit, but she's got some time to grow for right now. So congrats to all three of you. Um, great work put in by all, absolutely. So um, let's talk about the poll. Um, we had a poll two weeks ago. It felt like 10 years ago. Um, I was asking there about, um, you know, it was based on my, my pet peeve of the week with the training mask. And I gave you the choice. What, what is it? What is the training mask? Is it a worthless invention for gym going tools or is it a potentially useful hypoxic training device? Um, it was an 85, 15 split. Most people think that if you're using a training mask, you're pretty much a douchebag. So 85%, 15 say useful hypoxic training device. And as I gave in my commentary there, there, there are arguments to support both of those. So this comes down to opinion, I think more than anything else, um, opinion and just your visceral impression of the thing. And I, I just, you know, I see somebody wearing that and I just have this immediate reaction that goes off in my head like that is dumb and I can't help it. And you can show me mountains of evidence, which do not exist. There is some evidence. There are not mountains of evidence, but you could show me mountains and I would still say, no, it's still dumb. It might be useful, but it's still dumb. This week we have a new poll up and it is, oh, I'm so unprepared. I wrote it and then uh, I navigated away. Hold on. I'm finding it here. I'm finding it. I want to I want to read this exactly as it's written. So here we go. All right. Um, I want to get to know my audience a little better. So here's the question or, or statement. What best sums up your feelings and experience with banned or illegal substances, including SARMs and research chemicals? So I'm talking about not just illegal substances, but ones that are banned. So you can buy them legally, like SARMs, like research chemicals, which you can use for, you know, you can 
purchase clenbuterol, T3, etc., um, as research chemicals, but they are still banned by natural organizations. So I'm lumping all that stuff together. What is what best sums up your feeling and experience with those? So you've got four options. I have used them before and will again or are currently. I've used them before but won't in the future. I haven't used them, but I've considered it or I'm planning to. And finally, I haven't used them and haven't considered it or basically just an emphatic no. So uh, put yourself on that spectrum. And I, I again, um, will <laughs> will state this is totally anonymous. You know, the, you just go to the website, fivestarphysique.com. You scroll down below the main banner. The poll's right there. You just click on the button and hit submit. So, I mean, theoretically, your IP address is getting logged somewhere. I don't know where and I don't care. Um, and nobody's asking for your email address or your social security number or anything like that. So answer honestly, but tell me. Because um, I want to see, you know, is, is there an audience for more content related to this stuff? Or, you know, if 80% of my, if 80 of the people who listen to this are saying you haven't used anything like that and aren't considering it, then I know, well, it's not really worthwhile to talk about. Um, I did have a good conversation many, many episodes back, probably about 20 episodes ago about drugs and bodybuilding, which got a really good response. So I suspect it's not going to be like an 80% against kind of outcome. But I'm curious to know... Um, how, where where the where the um, sentiment lies on that? So that's it. Um, we're skipping the the regular features. We have no pet peeve of the week. Uh, I have no music of the week. Um, we're not doing any of that stuff. We're getting right to it. So um, let's get into it with the Ravish Sands interview right now. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. Okay, when competing in a show, there are a ton of things that have to be considered, and a big one that applies to a much greater level for women versus men is the suit. Uh, men, they can easily spend 35 bucks, pick a color, and be done, but women have so much more to consider, and also, they have to make a much more significant investment. So, here to help unravel the mysteries of suit selection and the shopping process, we have Drea Ledoux and Brittany Cavicia from Ravish Sands. Welcome to both of you, and it's great to have you both here with me today. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Fantastic. So the first thing I'm got, we're going to start off kind of easy here, and then we'll we'll get into the serious stuff. So um, a softball, if you will, to start things off. Um, Ravish Sands. What sets you guys apart from other suit design companies? Well, in um, the industry, it's it's get it's growing right now, and I would say. What we do is we cater to not just one body type. We are custom made to your physique. So it means that the proper coverage is for you or as far as bling-wise, what's, what's appropriate for your budget. So we offer anywhere between on a budget bling to the best of Swarovski, and we customize the suit to the overall customer and not just the like those styles that you see on stage specifically. Everybody's body type is differently, so you have to have the proper coverages for them. Very good. And um, would you say, I mean, how, how would you describe your, like, breadth of selection for materials? Like, I was browsing through your uh, your selection online, and granted, like I said, I'm a guy. It's really easy for me. It's like, well, do I go gray or black or green? And then I'm pretty much done at that point. Um, but it seems like there's just almost an overwhelming selection of things to choose from on your site. 
Uh, yeah, it, it can be quite overwhelming, especially for a first-time competitor. And um, what I wanted to say also why we are set apart is we offer very, very good and in-depth customer service. Uh, we have chat lines. We have um, Google Text Talk. We have our office open every day. Uh, and we make that really easy for the girls to call in, and they can also email. So there's tons of ways to get in contact with us to sort through that. But we do have a wide variety of different fabrics and, like she said, stones on a budget bling Swarovski. Um, and so she also mentioned that we do do custom fit, um, and we do custom cut everything here and sew it in the U.S. Um, and if... Say, for example, a competitor also needs a suit on a rush. We offer, I think you had mentioned it in your questions, was um, quick ship suits. So yeah. we do offer those that are already made for the girls that are in a rush and need a suit pronto. Uh, something people don't think about is suits do take a while to make since we custom cut them and we go through the whole process with you um, down to every little detail. Excellent. Excellent. Now, it, here, here's... You know, you mentioned customer service, and that's one of the things that I always recommend. And we'll we'll uh, um, we'll get to this a little bit more in depth later. But I get a lot of questions. You know, as a prep coach, people are always asking me like, "Who should I go to for my suit?" And rather than say, "Oh, well, you know, I have an affiliation with this company, so you should always talk with them," um, I know it's a very individual thing. So one thing that I tell people, even if they're you know a year out from their show, I'm like, reach out to suit companies right now and ask some questions and see who responds. And so I think in circumstances like that, the companies that have, uh, you know, a leg up on customer service are going to, you know, they're going to put their best foot forward and they're going to make a much better impression on a potential future customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how important, and, and again, this is a kind of an easy question, um, but I want to hear your take on it from a suit designer. Um, how important is the right suit in your overall stage experience? It's extremely important as far as for the customer to be comfortable. Um, there is a lot of talk hearsay and he say, she say that you have to have this specific suit on stage and this amount of crystals, but that's not the case. Um, when it comes to being comfortable on stage, it's, it's an extreme importance because that's what's going to give you your best. Um, so in my opinion, and I think a lot of our girls here agree with me because we've competed before, is sometimes, like say, for instance, Swarovski, a fully blinged out bikini, is what they want to see on stage, but gals can't quite afford it. You have to be able to accommodate everybody's budget regardless of whether the coach is telling them otherwise. The whole point is to make our customers happy and to make them look beautiful on stage and feel 100% sexy and confident that they did this journey and now they can show it off. It's not necessarily like you have to have an in particular look on stage. No, it's what's going to make you feel happy and what's going to make you shine the brightest. Because I know, again, as a guy, my, my perspective here is a little bit skewed, but I know that everybody's different, and I think some women are certainly going to prefer more of like an understated approach or a more scaled-down kind of look and not necessarily be shining and blinding everybody in the audience with the bling on their suit. Right, absolutely, and that is all down to personality, too. We have girls that come in and they're, you know, they say, well, I see all these super blinged-out suits, and that's not me, and 
uh, at the end of the day, you have to be the one that's confident, you know, and barely nothing on stage. So um, we also see girls who say, you know, my, my coach said this color, and while there are some colors that look better on certain girls, you know, um, it is your preference, and you're the one putting out the money for it. So we always tell girls to go with what they are absolutely in love with because they, they need the experience to be good for them. Uh, agreed completely. And so let, let's talk about that. So color choice, you know, the, the general topic that I wanted to cover here is, you know, very early on, like well before you're ready to start ordering, um, what are some of the things that should be considered and, and when during the process? So let's start with, with color. Um, one of the things that I have always told people is kind of my mantra when it comes to suit design is, the, you know, I have women clients who ask me all the time, what color suit should I go for? And I will always say, well, you realize you're asking a guy for fashion advice, right? Maybe not the best <laughs> thing in the world to, to be asking. But um, what I always tell people is, you know, put yourself in the frame of mind where you're going out on either a first date or a job interview, you're reaching into your closet, what is the color of the thing that you pull out? Because it's all about confidence as far as I'm concerned. Um, right. Do you think there are other things that should be considered in there as well? Uh, that is very true. Like we just said, yes, confidence, absolutely. Um, we always recommend, um, if someone has no idea and they're coming in here with absolutely no clue, we always recommend jewel tones. Um, on stage, so your deep rubies, your deep greens, your deep blues, because they, they look the best on everybody. Right. Um, additionally, there are colors that very, very few people can get away with, and that's your yellow, your orange, your white. And so those are the only colors when someone comes at us, we're kind of like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe some other color <laughs> will look a little better, because you have to have a very specific look to get away with um, certain colors like that. But other than that, all of our fabrics uh, pretty much uh, will look good on most everybody. And you can change, a lot of people don't think about this, but you can change the way a fabric looks by the crystals that you put on it. Um, so I just threw another curveball into the equation. <laughs> just what we need, uh, more complexity. Yes. So um, someone, you know, says they absolutely love a fabric, but they wish it was just a little bit darker. Uh, that can be a thing. So, like I said, our customer service, we try to listen to the girls. We have them send pictures of inspiration um, and recommend the best thing for them. So I, I, I was going to say, like, yellows, oranges, and browns, you know, anything that's not really going to contrast with your spray tan skin color is right. probably a bad idea. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. And and so it's, a, it's an interesting point about the uh, the crystals as well because it's not just – like the quantity or the placement of them on the suit, but there's actually different um, different styles of crystal that you can use as well. That, that's actually a new one to me. I was not aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We have, okay, so um, in particular, we have on a budget bling, and we have anywhere between that and the best crystal that you can get, which is Swarovski. So because we're not just a specific competition standpoint we do wbff we do nga i mean we just do pageants we do so many different organizations and it's depending on the overall look for that show we try to steer the customers to stay within that standpoint but within their own design concept as well so there are different crystals as far as budget goes and um even style wise of the crystals there's some that are more gaudy and larger and blingier Versus smaller and um, I guess delicate 
delicate and more uh, not as not as in your face. Right. <laughs> like pow. Uh, for for uh, for example, um, we uh, a lot of the time color crystal will look a lot different um, when someone is looking right at it versus what it looks like on stage. So we love when girls send us pictures as inspiration. The style before used to be um, a little more gaudy and a little more clear crystals and AB crystals, but now it's kind of to that understated but still pretty blinged out. <laughs> right, so it's color on color. Okay, that's interesting. And, that, you know, you were saying something there about, you know, the, the, the style of the show, and that, that actually brings me to a, something that I hadn't thought of before. Um, should somebody consider, I mean, you know, clearly if, if you invest in a suit, you're probably going to wear it for more than one show, I would think. But is, is the type of venue that the show is at, should that be taken into consideration? Like if it's a very small, like, auditorium versus like, a huge conference hall, does that matter at all, the type of lighting system that they're going to have in a place like that? Uh, venue, not so much. Like Drea was saying, I suspect it goes more towards the organization. Yeah. Uh, WB, okay. WBFF, for example, is uh, an organization that does have a lot more bling, a lot uh, bigger bling than an NPC show. Um, but we do, uh, like for WBFF, a lot of them wear bra tops, bra style tops, and so that's automatically going to draw more attention to all the blings. Understood. Okay. I'm getting a little weird audio thing with you as well. It's like you're kind of, um, it's almost like a Doppler effect where you're going away and then coming back. I don't know if that, if it's anything to do with your phone there. Uh, it's a possibility. It is a possibility. I'm trying to keep it center on the table. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll make the best of it with what we can do here. Um, now, I did also see um, that you have available on your site, you have fabric swatches available. Do you find that that's something that's helpful for people to, like, you know, purchase a bundle of those so that they can actually get the material in their hand, see it, feel it, and it's going to, you know, look a little bit different or represent itself a little bit differently in person versus an image on a computer screen? That is a great question. A hundred percent agree because, um, yes, lighting is everything. So obviously computer screens, everybody's lighting is different depending on what type of computer they have, what brightness. Um, the cameras don't necessarily capture fabric and the effect that it has on its own. So what we do offer is if you are ordering a suit, we offer you free fabric swatches in swatches that you want or if you just want to send random ones, it's totally fine. And then we offer swatches for gals who just want to order, but they're not quite sure what suit they want just yet. So they just. And then we also have swatches with crystal placement just to see if they want a certain type of crystal color or if they want a combination just to see what it looks like. We have definitely different aspects of that, but I agree to see them in person is always better than just to be like, all right, I'm going to wing it and I'm just getting that fabric color, and that's what it's going to be. We're just going to cross our fingers, roll the dice, and hope for right. the best. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's always better to see them in person, for sure. Especially with the metallic ones, just because the light's going to play off those a lot differently, like just right. a, a subtle shift in angle here and there. Right, right, right. So when you're moving it, it changes as it moves. So it's cool to see them in person. Yeah. Um, now, when do you recommend actually ordering a suit, just based on your lead time? Is that something that fluctuates depending on the demand that you have at any given time, or do you always say, well, you know, eight weeks out is when we want you to place your order? Uh, we do recommend about eight weeks out. Um, that way, uh, we have about a four-week turnaround, and that way you get the suit if you need it sized differently, um, anything like that. You have, you have plenty of time to get that taken care of. 
And also, we do offer if somebody needs something custom and they need it on a rush within a three-week time frame, we also offer a rush fee for a certain amount of money, which then upgrades their suit to be shipped by a third week, and they can receive it on time for their show. And then if there's not that custom route, then there's immediate pronto suits that are quick shipped and ready to go. Awesome. And I do want to talk about those momentarily here also. Um, do you find that potential customers that are looking to get their first suit for their first show, do they approach you and have any misconceptions about the whole process? Like, are there things that you often say where people are like, wow, I had no idea. Like, what kind of things are surprising to your clients? The number one, uh, well, there's two top ones. The first one is the coverage. Everyone is very shocked, especially if they're a little more modest, um, how tiny the suits are. And uh, they are usually coming to us at about eight, ten weeks out, and they're not obviously stage ready. So they freak out a little bit, um, but they don't understand how much they're actually going to come down in those eight to ten weeks. So the coverage is definitely one. And I would say the second one is how fast the turnaround is. Uh, as we said, they're custom cut, sewn here. We go through that whole process. If we don't have the crystals, we special order the crystals for the girls. So it does take a little bit to ensure that your look is exactly how you want it. It's not a one to two day thing. <laughs> yeah. Understood. It, it's uh, I, I like what you're talking about the coverage as well. I mean, everybody gets the suit and they don't necessarily realize that they're making this investment on something that can fit inside a Ziploc baggie, pretty much. <laughs> I think that's always kind of the, the really eye opening moment where people are like, "Oh crap! Okay, this is real now." <laughs> it's true. It's very true. One expensive um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you have? Uh, are you aware of? Um, and I, I realize that this is a this would be a big ask on your part as the the people designing the suit. Um, but do you come across people who say, "Hey, this is the show I'm competing in, and this is the style and the cut I want"? Do you ever kind of say time out and say, eh, "I don't think that cut is going to fly with that organization. That's going to show too much. That organization's a little more conservative." Absolutely. So um, on the customer service aspect, uh, I get it uh, quite often. I would say at least every other day. Um, so I'll steer them into – so a lot of the times what happens is certain federations want more coverage, and they want to be in less coverage. So those are the very rare gals that I have to steer them and let them know that they have to pay attention to the rules and regulations of their federation and of their show. Um, guide them in the proper way without turning them away and making them feel less confident in themselves. And I also find myself having to let gals know and let them feel comfortable as far as letting them know that they can go in less coverage because their conditioning is so well. So in a certain aspect, it's kind of like a therapeutic way <laughs> of customer service because you want them to feel good, but you don't want them to feel bad, and you want them to look great, and they want to look great. So you want to bring out the best in them, physically and emotionally. That's interesting that it cuts both ways like that. And I know, I mean, you can get really deep into the weeds on this stuff because I lived and competed in North Carolina for a time, and I know that the NPC in North Carolina, they are, you know, on average, more conservative than the NPC organizations, even in just in other states. Like, they want to see more coverage on the suit bottoms in particular. 
Yeah, we, we do deal with um, a lot of the northern states are uh, like that. Like down south in South Florida, uh, you can get away with pretty little coverage. Fair um, <laughs> minimum. But we, we already, we also sell worldwide. So we do have other countries that do require a lot more coverage. They're definitely not as flexible as the NPC down here. So we also have to, we had to learn that and take that into consideration as well. Not everybody has South Florida standards. that's a lot to stay on top of that's pretty impressive um here's here's something that i think is is a curveball for a lot of people let's say somebody starts off and they do their first show in bikini maybe they're a little bit too muscular for the division so then they want to graduate to figure or um, they start in figure and it's you know oftentimes it's a fairly blurry line going from figure up to physique what are the changes in suit style and composition if you wanted to go from one division up to the next is it going to require a completely different suit um, yes, and no. yes and no. Uh, so say you did do bikini and, well, I started in bikini, so this is a perfect question. I started in bikini and I, um, switched to figure and now switching to physique. Figure and physique, um, have the same suit style. So that's the cross straps in the back and mm-hmm. the, pretty, the pretty high-waisted cut to show off the V-taper, the sweeping quads, the small waist. Um, and, and girls have to realize that is, that a lot of people are like, well, I like a bikini cut better. Um, the whole purpose of the figure suit is to create that illusion mm-hmm. and to create that look for that division. Um, where Drea just had a girl that she is coaching, and um, she is doing bikini and figure. So what she did is she just bought two different bottoms. So she had a bikini bottom and a figure bottom, but the same top. So we made it so that she could wear both um, the correct way. And she could switch flawlessly on the day of a show between one and the other. Excellent. And so that's a pretty seamless transition between those two styles as long as the suit's designed to accommodate that? Uh, Not all of the suits are. Like, if the girl says that they are doing that, we do design it in such a way that they can do that. Okay. So you've got to know that and then kind of steer the suit in a a certain direction. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Now, you've mentioned a couple times um, quick ship op- options, and I looked at those on your website. You have them in you know, specific colors, patterns, sizes, styles, but you also do custom designs. So first question I have is, is more of your work custom or of the quick ship variety? Um, okay, so competition-wise, I'd say it's more custom. Swimwear, definitely quick ship, for sure. And on the quick ship front, I mean, do you do you kind of know like what the most common styles are that um, people want? And just have some of those on stock because I I looked at that and I'm like, you know, I wonder how many of these quick ship options were just like orders that were placed and then canceled or something, and right. so then they just had this inventory sitting around and they're trying to move it somewhere. That's the ske- the cynic in me. How are are is it more of like a pre planned thing though? It's definitely well. Um, what we like to do is we carry so for competition wise we carry a certain amount of quick shift coverages in three different coverages. Anything larger than that, you would have to go custom. But majority, I would say, our most popular coverage in our quick shift is a Brazilian. It's easily Brazilian and a medium top. It's just a happy medium in between the two sizes, which most gals are. And um, so I can't say that we specifically carry one coverage more than the other. It's definitely an even way throughout small, medium, large. And then it's not necessarily small, medium, large. It's just the coverage that's small, medium, large. And then we size to the customer's measurement. Absolutely. All of our quick ships, um, we 
we can size um, as far as the bikini measurement to the person. Um, and those, some of them are suits that we ended up not selling, but some are in our downtime. We do make suits that we know will sell right. um, in popular colors so that if someone's coming to us and they're freaking out because they really want a green suit, but they only have a week to do it, we can say, oh, well, we have these different greens and uh, hopefully we have the coverage that they are looking for. Okay, and so if somebody does find themselves in dire straits like that, um, they're going to need to be pretty, pretty confident that they, that, that they have their measurements correct, I assume. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and as far as that goes, Drea is awesome with the customer service on that and um, getting the girls the cor- where to measure correctly. Um, uh, as far as the bikini measurement for that, it's not too difficult of a measurement. Um, it's just one measurement for us to do that. And um, as I said, it's a pretty easy let out should they get the suit and have an issue with the sizing. They can do that with a local seamstress. Right. Okay, so there's enough fabric for a little wiggle room there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We always offer a free alteration before jumping on stage, but if a gal gets it a week before, considering um, if it's too tight or too large, then she can take it to a local seamstress. And we actually reimburse them for the alteration charge so they can use some rabbit dollars on the website so oh wow yeah there's perks on it (laughs) because we get it we get it you know everybody depletes differently so some gals hold more muscle or more water in certain areas than others but um when it's a week from competition it's actually quite easy you're just going to fluctuate water for the most part so we give them specific ways to measure themselves that way we get the most accurate um bikini measurement for them well, and that, that's how you know, like when you're when you're working with a company that is run and staffed by competitors and people right. that are really kind of like living and breathing the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that is what uh, makes a lot of girls comfortable in coming to us because uh, what you know, if someone doesn't know the answer on the phone, it's a, it's a speakerphone chat with three other people. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, <laughs> and and somebody's gonna have gone through that exact same scenario before, most likely. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Biggest question. Uh, I've saved the best of my questions for last year. And this is when it comes to suit design, this is always, uh, well, not the first, but always like the most important question on somebody's mind. Um, What are some things that a competitor who is way more budget minded, what can they do to bring down the cost of their suit? So, okay. Now this is where we have so many packages. Um, Our custom suits, as far as crystal-wise, they start from anywhere between $180, actually, correct me, $150, all the way up until, let's say, over $1,200. If you want to spend it, uh, we'll do it. We'll do it. (laughs) Um, Now, we will make sure that you are getting what you spend. So, absolutely, um, I think that our prices, as far as budget-wise, my first competition was, geez, six years ago, almost seven years ago, and I spent $275, and I thought that was a lot of money back then. And I have some gals now that can only afford $150. So I think as far as um, price-wise, we have everything that can accommodate anyone's budget frame. Now, if they're under that budget, then we also offer sales suits that are starting at $55, and they're competition suits. They might not have crystals, but they will suit anybody's budget as far as suit-wise. 
And then they're going to hit the regulations that are necessary right. as far as suit composition. Right, exactly. With the, with the bottom connectors, you know, they still have a little bling, but it's not going to be, uh, you know, a crystal suit because that is a little more expensive. Yeah, so the, the most affordable crystal suit starts at 150 custom, but then we have less expensive ones that are already pre-crystallized that are on sale on the website. Interesting. And I think that is, that is pretty reasonable just because, um, you know, when you look at the whole cost of a show in general, so, you know, registration, getting your organization card, travel, spray tan, hair, makeup, I mean, you know, it all adds up. And so if you're talking like $150, $200 for a budget price suit, that that's, it's pretty easy to kind of roll that into the overall cost of the competition. Right. I'd say, well, since, you know, Brittany and I both been through prep, Brittany's competed more than I have. But um, I guess we could say we've been training equally as long. I always compared uh, prepping for a competition to a wedding, a bodybuilding wedding. It's what you're going to be getting married. It's it's so true. It's an investment. It's a lifestyle. And so if you don't look at it as a lifestyle, it's, it's, you probably shouldn't invest in it. Yeah, I think um, that that is maybe another misconception. Going back to your earlier question, is how costly <laughs> everything is together so um before even thinking about prep i would look at suits and uh be a little realistic on what you are going to be able to afford and if you want the the 500 suit budget it out for your 16 weeks and um, start saving ten dollars a week yeah or, or maybe you know pick a show that's you know a few months later to give you a little bit more time to save up for it absolutely yes and then you'll yeah. have a nicer, a longer, and an enjoyable prep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Uh, you know, one other thing that comes to mind, and this is just kind of a, I don't necessarily even need an official Ravish Sands response from this, but it's always something that I felt, felt was just a little off in that I feel like in bodybuilding, women get shafted because the suits are way more expensive. You got to pay for hair and makeup appointments. You can do them yourself, but if you want to get them done professionally, you got to pay for that. Guys don't have to deal with any of that. I mean, I'm not the only one that thinks like this is a little off. The equation is a little skewed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I like that is in most things. <laughs> um, however, um, like you said, the hair and makeup, that's other things to consider. Um, if you want the $500 suit, you know, you don't have to, uh, I tell girls all the time, you don't have to spend $150 to get your hair and makeup done. Yeah. I've done my hair and makeup for every show, and, you know, not once was someone like, oh, your makeup was not professionally done. Right, right. Yeah, right. it looks like a clown drew that on. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but, uh, yes, it is definitely a little harder for women um, to get all the finances in order because, like you're saying, it's not a $35 trunk that they're buying. Right. And yeah, and I mean, I, the the spray tan is one thing where, you know, as a guy who I, I've taken the DIY approach and gotten the pro tan with a little foam brush before, and that is like the biggest pain in the ass in the world. Oh, so God. I would, if I couldn't afford to get a professional spray tan, I just wouldn't even consider doing a show. But yeah, I feel hard. like the hair and the makeup, there's enough, um, there are enough resources out there that if you are competing frequently, and if you wanted to do that yourself, you absolutely could, and you could save a little chunk of change that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But um, I do agree with you there. The tan, I would never do myself. No. That is just one headache I do not want to have ever. Because <laughs> you can put on 35 coats and you're just not going to be dark enough v- no. versus somebody who got two coats done with the spray people at the show. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, those are all the questions that I had. So I wanted to give you a chance. Was there any question you're like, oh man, I hope he asks this, or I re- we really need a chance to talk about this. What did I miss? Lay it on me. Oh, um, so we have, um, I mean, there's one thing that I can mention. We have a, a reward system as far as like uh, our Ravish Rewards goes and um, a trade-in program. So it's, it's two new things. Well, the reward system is not quite new. Just most gals don't know about it. But um, for every dollar that's spent on our website, you get $1 in Ravish points. So if somebody's spending like $500 on a suit, you get $500 Ravish points. You're probably getting over $100 off on your next custom suit or something like that, whatever you want to spend your money on. So our Ravish rewards does save most of our gals. Um, as much as they spend is as much as a saving. And um, as far as our trade-in program, we just launched um, a new trade-in program as far as any competition suit that you want to get rid of and are inquiring about a new suit but can't quite afford it, then we're offering all of our gals to trade in any competition suit for a 25% off voucher for our website. That's excellent. I like that. So you're really, uh, really encouraging repeat business. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's um, that's that's any company suit. Um, any company, as long as they, you know, email us pictures of it, it's our standards to be taken back. Um, and then they get that coupon code for a percentage off. Yeah, and it's mainly just for custom competition, so that way they can get a new competition suit. I gotcha. So if they send you a picture and you're like, uh, you got that at Walmart, that doesn't qualify. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's very cool. Anything else that we should uh, be touching on here? I'm letting you steer the ship for a minute. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. That might be dangerous. I understand. Shatterbrain. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because you covered you covered a lot um, of what we do. I, um, I know we're specifically talking about competition, but um, Drea had mentioned regular swimwear. And a lot of people don't know that Rather Stand did start as just regular swimwear uh, back in the day. And um, we offer a wide variety. Of, uh, like, <laughs> if you think there's a lot of competition options, there is way more swimsuit options on the site um, as far as body coverages for everybody. Um, so I, I think that is not as well known. Um, for maybe your listeners, but we offer a lot of swimwear, and we just started doing um, specific posing suits. So that is another option for girls who want to test out different coverages. We offer posing bikinis that they can get, and they can try on the different coverages, maybe in a suit they're going to pose in with their coach or uh, their posing coach. And is that something that's, um, that mimics the, the cut and style of specific suits, but just has like a, uh, like a lower quality material, no bling? Yeah, just the normal fabric, um, but it does mimic the cut, yes. Excellent. Okay. Uh, last question. I just thought of one, actually. Uh, this is kind of a, kind of an easy one for you. Where can people find you online, social media? Give, give us all the links. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, let's go. Um, obviously at RavishStands on Instagram. Um, uh, if you go to the at RavishStands Instagram, you'll find her hashtagging all of our other Instagrams. Um, so we have one specifically at Ravish Stand Swimwear. Uh, we have at Ravish Stand Steamwear, which is something that we also didn't cover. But like I said, for WBFF, they are a lot more pageant-oriented. So we do wings, we do bra cups, we do like costume design uh, as well. 
Fantastic. Have, uh, and Facebook. Rabbit Sand <laughs> Swimmer fan page. You're all over it. Well, that is fantastic. I really appreciate you guys both taking the time out for this. I thought I thought it was pretty informative. And I've, I've been at this for years and helping people kind of guide them towards the right um, suit designers. And I still learn quite a bit here. So um, I think you guys were great. I appreciate your time very much. Thank you. We thank you. We really have the call. We really appreciate you reaching out. So fantastic. All right. Well, Drea, Brittany, thank you very much, and uh, I'll be in touch uh, offline as well. Awesome. Blessings to you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Take care. Take care. Take care. I wanted to talk briefly about a uh, a silly little thing that I saw online this week, and um, you know. Every now and then in the world of bodybuilding, because it's full of personalities, you get somebody who says something that might be a little dumb or questionable, and then everybody else jumps on the bandwagon and starts calling out person A as being a phony. Or, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. It's really like kind of like professional wrestling, except what you see on stage is actually kind of real instead of completely staged. Um, and I, I guess it's a little better in that a lot of these personal beefs are legit instead of completely fake but still nonetheless it's really just cries for attention and so what am I doing well I am enabling everybody and providing additional attention here so (laughs) what it was is um uh it started with comments that Jeremy Buendia um Mr. Physique Olympia four times um said it was in some kind of radio interview or something like that and he was he was overseas. He was in the Philippines or something like that, conducting doing a media blitz. And there was something that he said um, that was uh, ill-informed at best and just outright dumb at worst. Um, and he said something about his general comments. And I don't have a direct quote, but his general comments were along the lines of, uh, roughly paraphrasing here, bodybuilding was dying and physique men's physique is what saved bodybuilding from itself. And he said it was, you know, something that was, uh, bodybuilding was seen as something that was not realistic. It was not sustainable as a venture, a competitive venture standalone. And so physique had to come in and save the day basically. And so the, the first follow-up I saw on this was from, uh, Dexter Jackson. Um, what was it? 2008, Mr. Olympia, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, he won't let you forget. I'm pretty sure that's his Instagram handle, 08 Mr. Olympia or something like that. So, um, <laughs> but hey, you know, you've done it, own it, absolutely. Uh, and he took exception to that and basically just was kind of, kind of calling out all of the physique competitors as, you know, people who couldn't cut it in bodybuilding um, and kind of going off the rails a little bit in his way and saying, you know, <laughs> the first thing is, you know, I mean, what, what have we learned? Uh, you, you always need to start with some, some legit facts and then bend them to suit your narrative. So, um, you know, he's got like 800,000 followers on Instagram, but he calls them fans. He's like, they aren't followers. They're fans. I don't care how many followers you got. My fans are fans. Cause we're hardcore. I'm like, dude, just shut up. Stop talking, please. Um, because Buendia has like uh, over a million, like two million, something like that. And so suddenly I guess his are just followers. They aren't fans. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know why it matters. Let's stick to the, the actual points that were made here. Um, and let, let's see who's right. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of truth in, in what Dexter had to say. But mostly it was just chest thumping. He wasn't really trying to refute arguments. It was just chest thumping. So, um, which... Uh, 
he posted it in his Instagram story, so it's long gone by now. Um, but it was one of those things where it's just a selfie rant that spans like you know eighteen videos. It's like ugh, there's got to be a better way to deliver a message like that, right? I I don't know because that ain't it. Um, it's one of those things where because the videos are only 15 seconds long. So you start and you have a thought in your head and you're going to get it out, but it's like 18 seconds. And so we never hear what the last three seconds of it is because apparently some people can't see the little timer when you're recording a story that tells you when you're about out of space. So anyway, whenever I see stuff like that, it's just auto skip. Um, I just can't deal with it. Um, but I listen to the, to most of his and, uh, it, like I said, largely just a bunch of chest thumping. So let's go back to Blendia's comments and, you know, how, how valid is it? Physique saved bodybuilding. Well, uh, it's completely invalid. Um, I mean, if, if you look at bodybuilding shows, when, when men's physique came out, they weren't hurting. They weren't going anywhere. They didn't have, the, the shows didn't have as com many competitors as they do now because there aren't as many divisions as there are now. So this, this is... The, the reason men's physique came around was entirely a monetary one. That's it. Promoters and heads of the organization saw an opportunity to get more people in their shows. Hey, you know what? Bodybuilding has a high barrier of entry to compete. What if we brought in divisions that don't have to be quite so extreme? We can get more people in. We can get fresh blood. We're not just going to have guys who are kind of undersized for bodybuilding now going down to physique and we're going to cannibalize from our own ranks, but no, we'll be able to get new people off the streets. It was a money grab. I mean, how that isn't painfully obvious to somebody, I don't know. And that, that's why, um, that's why the figure division came about, but back before it existed. That's why the bikini division came along. That's why women's physique came along. That's why classic physique came along. They're trying to get as many people into these shows as possible, not because it's not as sustainable with fewer numbers, but because there's more money to be made, the more people you get into these shows. It has nothing to do with any division saving any other or, you know, some division, um, you know, trying to, to float another one along or anything like that. You can make the argument for women's bodybuilding, which is really, really floundering and will not. I mean, it, if you had a, a show, uh, you know, if you were relying on women's bodybuilding for your gait, for your, for your draw, for your ticket sales, that show ain't going to last. Um, it's, just, it, it's not sustainable uh, on its own. Men's bodybuilding, absolutely, always has been. But the, draw, the, the pull is going to be smaller just because you've got a smaller field of competitors, um, especially at shows that aren't top-level shows. If, if Olympia Weekend was just men's bodybuilding and nothing else, I don't think you'd lose a single seat in the crowd. Does anybody care who wins men's physique Olympia or even classic physique Olympia or figure or bikini or women's physique? I mean, the people that compete in those divisions, yeah, they do. But I mean, you know, the people that are watching the Olympia just to watch it, I mean, they're going for men's bodybuilding. That's what they care about. So it, it's, it's an empty argument just because it doesn't hold logical sense at all. Um, I mean, it, it is, it is a monetary move that that's all it was. And when we have, more divisions coming in down the road in coming years. And trust me, they're coming. I can tell you the people in the IFBB and the NPC right now are brainstorming ways to get um, even more people coming in. I mean, just look at the WBFF. They're kind of leading the charge on this. They have their, their mainstream model division, which is like zero muscle definition, zero development. It's basically just a runway fashion show. That's all it is. I'm like, really? I tell you what, if the IFBB and NPC goes that way, it's going to be time for a boycott.
because <laughs> let's be clear, this is a bodybuilding show. That, that's, that, that's what we should be there for. There should be some level of that. Anyway, I felt like this was something that was worth touching on, but also kind of digging through the crap. And let, let's answer the real question. Why does physique exist? Well, it's a way to get, I mean, ultimately, you know, the, the people responsible will say, we want to give more more people an opportunity to com- to compete, and that is a, a byproduct. But if that's all it was, it wouldn't happen. If there's a way to make more money from it, that's where it happens. That's what's actually going to pull the trigger and uh, make a new division like this appear out of thin air. And to be clear, you know, most of the guys who are in men's physique, or at least were at the beginning, they were competing in bodybuilding beforehand. Um, probably not doing as well because you know some people are just not as genetically gifted either with you know how how much size they can put on I me. Mean, the the physique guys are carrying good size, but you know if you're six foot, you know 185, 190 pounds on physique, um, you're you're missing about 60 pounds to be competitive at the highest level of bodybuilding. It's just a totally different ball game, and there's just no way to get there if if your body is is kind of stuck in in this range. You're not going to make a leap like that if you've already been training for several years. So, um, anyway. That, that's pretty much that. So it's a, it's a money thing. And like I said, when we have new divisions show up in future years, that will be a money thing as well. Make no mistake about it. In closing, I have very, very little to add this week. Um, really, I would have just wrapped up with the um, Dexter Jackson, Jeremy Buendia um, commentary, except I didn't actually like say peace out to everybody. So um, if I'm going to push myself here and say, let's come up with some parting words of wisdom um, what would it be? Um, hydrate well, because I did not. <laughs> On, let's see, let's let's take it back. This will be a quick personal story, and then you can. I mean, I know a lot of you are checked out. Like, okay, all the useful stuff is done. Let's just skip. What's what's up next on my playlist here? But if you're really bored, here's a fun personal story for me. Fun, you know. I, in retrospect, I can laugh about it. So, I think last podcast. I, Clearly, I've been hit on the head one too many times. I don't remember if I talked about this or not, but um, we uh, I was out working on the deck, which if you've, been, if you've been following me on Instagram, I post in my story all the time. What's the deck progress? And so keep in mind, I'm building this 350-square-foot deck 12 feet up off the ground at ground level out back. So I'm up on the ladder all the time. I hit myself in the head with a hammer. Um, I was trying to pry something away from the house, and I don't even know which end of the hammer hit my head, but it was some end that hurt. Didn't cause a lot of blood, but it did uh, leave a little bit of a mark. So that kind of sucked. And I think I gave myself a little bit of a concussion while I was up on the ladder. So I think my biggest feat there was just not actually falling off and dying. So I'm giving myself props for that. So that was episode number one. Um, You want to hydrate well, though, also. So this last weekend, um, we had my... my, my wife's niece was up here staying with us. She was going to a, a summer camp um, at the school where my wife teaches. And uh, so she was here all week. She left on Friday, and then we had an event Friday night that we went to. Um, it was a wedding reception. And then Saturday, it was just kind of mess around for the first part of the day. And then my wife went down to stay with her parents overnight to take care of her dad um, while her mom was away for a family reunion trip or something like that. So I had a little bit of bachelor time here from like sometime mid-afternoon around 2 o'clock on Saturday until it ended up being around 4 or 5 on Sunday, actually. So 
I wake up on Sunday morning, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to go work on the deck, you know? I, the next step to do is actually um, out on the side of the house, just kind of feed some boards out from ground level. Um, so on the side of the house, there's this big bank. And so um, ultimately when it's finished, there will be a little staircase there that's about three or four steps down, and then you'll be in this side yard that's not usable particularly, but it is access to the side of the house. Um, and then you have to, there's a big circuitous route that you have to go through to get down to the backyard. So, um, I was just out there and it was kind of in the shade. So I brought my little portable radio out there and I'm just doing work and like, all right, cool. And usually, you know, I'm trying to get a little bit of sun. Um, so I'll usually have my shirt off and, um, I was in the shade though. So I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, so I just had my like gym tank top on or something like that. I don't know, whatever. Um, and I just noticed, like, man, I'm sweating a whole bunch, but I'm drinking, so it's all good, you know, right? And, you know, I'm in the shade. I mean, it's hot as Hades out here, but, you know, I'm in the shade pretty much, so it's all good. And, you know, I'm still doing my intermittent fasting thing, so I'm starting in the morning. And, um, you know, it's it's around 1130. I'm like, man, I don't feel so hot, but it's pretty close to time to eat, so I'm going to go in and eat. All right, so I went in and ate, and then um, was like, yeah, I really don't feel a whole lot better, but all right, cool. We'll go back outside, and then... Um, I messed around for about another hour and I was just really slowing down. I was taking my shirt off and I was like squeezing it and wringing it out and sweat's just dripping out of him. Like, this isn't normal. This is weird. I don't usually sweat this much. This is kind of crazy. Um, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a break. I've got to run to Home Depot anyway. I have stuff in this initial massive order that was delivered on a truck. I've got some stuff to take back from that. I've got to return one of the joists that was just split right down the middle and get a replacement for that. So I'm just going to do that. So I loaded up my truck with the stuff. So I'm throwing 80 pound bags of concrete in the truck. So when I thought I'm going to take a break, apparently not so much load up a big old six by six post in the back of the truck, drive it out there, go to the returns desk. I'm like, I just wanted to go in there first and see yeah, what, what's the process for this? Am I bringing it to the right place? And they're like, yeah, yeah, just roll it in on a cart right here to the front. I'm like, all right, cool. So I load everything on the cart, which, ugh. Uh, and I've got this giant stuff sticking out the back of my truck, so I didn't park close to it or anything. Like, I didn't park close to the front of the store. I parked way out there. And so I load it all up. And, you know, going from that part of the parking lot to the front door of the store, it's probably about a 2% grade uphill. But when you're pushing a cart that weighs, at this point, probably about 400 pounds without all the stuff on it, I mean, it was like sled pushing cardio workout for about 150 yards to get up to the front door. And I, I just about passed out when I got inside the front door, which says a lot about my cardio conditioning or lack thereof. So I get all that taken care of. I'm like, I still don't feel very good, but I got to go to Lowe's and place an order there too. So I drove, you know, a couple miles away to Lowe's, placed an order there, got back home. I'm like, Whew, okay, well, I'm going to do a little bit more because there's still more. To, I'm Clearly, I'm going to win like Dumbass of the Year award for overdoing it because I'm off, obviously just a massive idiot. Um, anyway, long story short, I was out of commission pretty much all day Monday with heat exhaustion. Uh, so, you know, I couldn't be more than like 15 feet from a bathroom. Like everything in my body hurt. Like just picking up my phone to look at it, it was like excruciating pain. Everything was awful. I thought I was dying of the flu or something like It was just horrible it was horrible so I still worked on Monday because you know gotta work right but I took a day off from the deck took a day off from the gym and by Tuesday I was feeling about 80 percent it's now Thursday I feel great so anyway um I guess the the moral of the story would be hydrate except I was kind of hydrated I guess the moral of the story really would be don't be a dumbass and don't overdo it listen to your body and when it starts throwing middle fingers at you and saying hey buddy slow down don't be a moron. Listen to your body. 
There you go. That's the moral of the story. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. I'll be back possibly as early as next week um, rather than taking a two-week break once again. So we might be back next week with another episode. So in the meantime, everybody, stick to what you're doing. Train hard. Have a great week. Catch up with you next time.